Without further ado, let us go into the word. How many are ready to eat? Amen. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. And then we're going to skip through uh, all the way to 17 and 18. And here we will find that we are in a spiritual warfare. Amen. And we must be ready in order to fight against the enemy. Amen. Amen. Let us read. If you would stand for the reading of God's word. Show reverence and honor to God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11. We'll start with 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 17 says, and take the helmet of salvation um, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayers and supplications in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for what you have already started, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for the finished work of the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved us, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here this morning. Father God, so many, Father God, as they were in the presence of death, Father God, they didn't wake up this morning. Father, but you saw fit to bless us and breathe that pneuma spirit back into us this morning. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, for warm blood that's running through our veins. And we thank you, Lord, for the activity of our limbs. We thank you, Lord, for being able to be in your house on this Sunday. So Lord, we ask you, Father God, that as we hear from your word, I pray, Father God, that I decrease and that you increase. I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable unto you. I pray that each and every one that is here that is listening to your word, I pray, Heavenly Father, that every ear hear your word and every heart receive. In Jesus' mighty precious name we pray. It's in your name that we greet. Church says, you may be seated at this time. Again, I would like for us to recite verse 12. Amen. And it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities of power, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The title that I would like to use for our message here this morning is we are under attack. Amen. Look to your neighbor and says, you're under attack. No, 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 you really need to get their attention this morning. Say, you're under attack. I really want you to catch this because we think that we always have time. Amen? Think that we always have time. That's why we have saints that come to church late. Amen? Because you think you always have time. Amen? We think we can always just have another five more minutes. We think that we can just hold on a little bit longer. Amen? But I, I question you here today. How many of you are tempted to come late when Jesus comes. I guarantee you to be the last time you'll ever be late. Praise God. That was just a side note, amen. I didn't even have that in my message. But we think that we always have time, but here we find that Brother Paul is writing to us while he is in prison in Rome. Amen. He's writing to us, and we read that he is telling us to be strong. He's telling us that we ought to put on the whole armor of God. Now, I didn't come all the way to Austin, Texas to give you the traditional put on the armor of God message where we dissect what the armor is and what it means. Today what we're going to talk about is that Paul's telling us to be strong. He's telling us to put on the armor of God. But we need to take notice that he's telling us, and this is the key point of our message, is that we are under attack. We are under attack and we are at war between us and the enemy, which is taking place not outside of these, well, uh, spiritually, but right here at home. 
And we fail to realize that the enemy is trying to conquer us here in our house, in God's house. Amen? I want you to bear with me. So we have a war that's going on between us and our enemy, which is taking place here at our home front. Never in our generation have we seen so much violence. Can I get an amen? Never in our generation have we seen so much violence. We have brothers killing brothers. We have uh, um, cops killing uh, uh, brother, uh, people. We have so much violence that's going on today. We have parents, some reason, forgetting their children in cars. This is happening a lot in Austin. I don't know if it happens here. But they're forgetting their kids for some reason, somehow, in their vehicles. And, and their, their children are expiring because of heat exhaustion. Never in our lives have we seen so much violence. Never have we gone against the nation of Israel. Never have we questioned, hold on, hold on. Never have we questioned the sanctity of marriage. Never. How many thank God that you have a pastor that sticks to the true word of God, amen? amen. The true word of God. So never have we questioned the sanctity of marriage. And then listen to this, because this, this has happened. This has happened here recently. Never has the government been bold enough to demand that pastors and ministers relinquish their sermons so that way they can be revised. Because we are offending someone. I have a quote. How many want to hear it? I'd rather offend you into heaven. Amen. I'd rather offend you into heaven than to please you into hell. I'd rather offend you into heaven than please you into hell. If I've offended you spiritually, praise God. Because one day, we don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't want to offend the Jews. And I'm, I'm saying this uh, to be politically correct, amen. We don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't want to offend the Jews. But how many know that one day when we see Jesus face to face, every Muslim, every Jew, every Buddhist will have to bow before God Almighty. And the one that said that he was just a prophet, they're now having to call him Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We are at an all-time war. And the thing about it is that this is just the beginning of what's going on in our nation or in the world today. Amen? And even though it may make us feel better to speak about other things that are going on in society or things that are going wrong outside of these walls, the Lord has been speaking to my heart about spiritual warfare that's going on in the church. So today what we are going to talk about, we're going to talk about what's going wrong here at home. And I'm sorry if you came expecting a prosperity, a feel-good message. God doesn't work with me like that all the time. What God says, he says, I'd rather that you prosper in your soul than in your pockets. I'm paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing, don't, don't, don't hold me to that. But he says, I'd rather that you prosper in your soul than you prosper in your pocket. Because he also says that what does a man profit if he gains the world but he loses his soul? So, so I kind of tie all that down to say God is worried more about your salvation. He's worried about more about your heart than what he is worried about your financial success. Don't get me wrong, will God bless you? Absolutely. Can God bless you? Most definitely. But God cares about your soul. So, so I want you to catch this. That the opportunity of a lifetime should be taken at the time of the opportunity. 
You might ask, what are you trying to say? Let me explain. The other day, I go to HEB because I have a coupon. How many know about those little oranges, the, the, the cutie oranges, the little ones? Oh, aren't they so good? Aren't they just so good? My wife has a joke. Uh, she, this is just so good. And, and so I go because my kids, they love those little cuties. And, and so I go only because of them, amen. I didn't go because I like them. I go because they like them, amen. And so um, I have my coupon and I, and I go and, and it says that for, for $2 I can buy um, a, a box of cuties. So I pick up two and, and I go to the cashier and, and I show her my coupon and immediately she says, hold on, You're, you, can't, you can't use this. And because I haven't been saved all my life, excuse me, I said, what you mean I can't use this? How many know what I'm talking about, amen? Looked at some of you when you walked in this morning. It looked like you ain't been saved all your life, amen? Praise God. And so she says, if you look here at the bottom, it shows that the date has expired. So therefore, you cannot use this coupon. So a lot of us, we have what it takes to end this spiritual warfare but we are about to miss our opportunity because we are not understanding what is going on here at our home front. We have all the tools that we need to end this spiritual warfare in our lives, in the church. We have the opportunity, but we're about to lose it because we would rather miss the opportunity because we do not understand what is going on here at home. The church is under attack and we are Allowing the enemy to take more space in the church than what he deserves. Today I want you to really understand the urgency of this fight that we are in. It says here that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14, it says that the enemy has blinded our minds. He has blinded our minds. Don't raise your hand, but honestly, when was the last time that you spiritually felt ready to fight the enemy. You spiritually felt strong enough to say, you know what? It don't matter what demon in hell comes my way. I know that I got God on my side. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I will overcome this no matter what. When was the last time you really felt that way? But we have so many citizens. Let me break this down for you. At our church at home, we don't say members. We say citizens. Amen. We say citizens of the kingdom of God. So when you hear me say citizens, I'm talking about members. But here's the thing. When we talk about membership, you think you're going to the wire. You think that you can reap all the benefits of the church and, and never give anything to the church. But when you become a citizen, you want to take care of the church. You want to help nurse the church. You want to help grow the church. That was just an add-on right there for you as well. Amen. So, so we have so many citizens that are spiritually dead that can't even run to save their own lives. But the bad thing is that the majority of us, we're not just trying to save ourselves. You have a family to protect. How many can say amen? You have a family to protect. So here you have the enemy knocking at your door and the only one that you're worried about is saving is you. And you don't realize that you have somebody else that you need to help save. We're under attack. And you might say, but I know the scriptures. I know exactly what the Bible says. It says that for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Right? Isn't that what it says? 
It reminds me of the scripture in James chapter 4 verse 7 that we're always quick to quote. It says that as long as you resist the devil, as long as you resist the devil, he must flee. But have you ever read the beginning of that scripture? The book of James chapter 4 verse 7, it says, first you must submit yourself unto God. Then you can resist the devil and he must flee. If you are not spiritually connected to God, you have no spiritual benefits. If you are not spiritually tied into God, you have no spiritual connection. So here we are. We have so we are we are like I said, we are under attack. So so we spit out Joshua 24, 15, but it says, and if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the God which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which means that if you have to make a decision. To serve God, we can't serve two masters. We either have to serve God or we serve this world. There's no choosing back and forth. We see here that in uh, Revelations chapter 3 verse 6, it says because you were lukewarm, you were not hot nor cold. It says I will, I will spit you, what, out of my mouth. Because we haven't been able to make a decision on what we want to do. So we have to make a decision. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve this world? But if we decide to serve God, then we better be ready to fight. How many, how many think that coming to church is just coming and listening to the wonderful people that came from Austin and we are just in all of God's splendor and we are in all of God's glory and then we dismiss and we go home? No. Being a Christian is more than just coming to church. Being a Christian is being spiritually equipped and spiritually ready that we can go out and defeat the enemy and win souls for the kingdom of God. So I ask you this, when was the last time that you won a soul for the Lord? When was the last time that you won a soul for the kingdom of God? Christianity is not just coming in and sitting and keeping the seat warm. Christianity is working for the kingdom of God. We are under attack. It seems today, amen, go ahead, go ahead, praise him if you want to, amen. It seems today, it seems today that many churches, amen, are only preaching 10 steps on how to receive your blessing. And like I said, God is able to bless you, absolutely, amen. Don't get me wrong, he's able to bless you. But the church needs to know that we are living in the last days. And for some of you that are my generation and, and older, we've heard it for a very long time. My great-grandfather, amen, that, which uh, started uh, the, the, you know, the ministry, and we've had generations of preachers that have told us, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And perhaps you may have looked at your watch and said, when is Christ coming? But if you read your Bible, you can now see what is happening. It's prophetic, and it shows you that God's coming is near. He's coming. He's coming. But in order for us to make it to the finish line, we have to be ready to fight the enemy until God gets here. Because do you think that the enemy is going to let you become victorious without a fight? You think he's going to let you go without trying you or trying to tempt you or trying to get you where he is at? Absolutely not. If you think that the enemy is going to let you go by, you have another thing coming. 
Some of you may say, well, I've been in church for a long time. I've been praising God for a long time. I've never had an encounter with the enemy. Well, you might be walking the same path he is. A lot of us can come to church. A lot of us can lift up our hands. Amen. A lot of us can sing. But is your heart saved? Is your heart pure? Is your heart righteous? Is your heart holy? So the church of God, what we need to know is that we're living in the last days and it's going to get worse here in this world before it gets better. So we, the people of God, need to know that we need to stand, stand strong. When I talk about standing strong, I'm reminded of my brother Job, amen, that, that he, was, he was questioned. They came to him and said, what did you do to God to deserve what you're going through? What did you do? I mean, you must have made God really mad. You sinned against God. You had to have sinned against God. You absolutely had. There's no question in my mind that you didn't do something to God that made him so mad at you that he would take your family, he would take your livestock, he would take everything that you have. But meanwhile, while he was being questioned, while they were pushing him in the corner, it says that he stood firm until the end. And Job says, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. I remember my brother Stephen that he was being stoned to death, but even at the last moment of his dying breath, he knew that he was dying for the cause of Jesus Christ. And what kind of man that while he was being stoned for the cause of Christ would ask God to forgive them for killing him. I tell you here today, that's salvation. I tell you here, that's purification. I tell you here today, that's living righteous for the Lord. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this place today. I believe that many Christians have it all wrong. Today we think that God is looking for something that he is not. We're looking, we think that God is looking for the most educated. We think that God is looking for the more equipped. We think that God is looking for the richest. We, are, we think and we have it all wrong. The only thing that God is looking for is that you make yourself available to him. That's the only thing that God is looking for. To see if you are willing to become available to him. Amen. So, and, and, and I think about who made themselves available, and it was hard for him to do it, but he did it. Let's talk about our brother Saul, who was turned into brother Paul, who on his way to Damascus had an encounter with God, and God speaks to him and says, hey, now that I've knocked you off your high horse, I need you to go and preach my message. I need you to go out and preach about who I am. And knowing that he would be persecuted just like he persecuted those in the past. Saul was one that killed and authorized the killing of Christians. Saul was the kind of person that you didn't want to invite to your baptism. Saul was somebody that hated Christians. But he made himself available. He made himself willing to be used by God. He said, well, Paul... Saul, he was, he was a mighty man. So it's easy for God 
to use someone so mighty. It's easy for God to use someone with such authority that, that, Paul, that Saul came with. Okay, well, let me tell you about another story. We have our sister Rahab. Amen. Our sister Rahab that um, we would have ignored. We would have persecuted. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab lived a, according to you and I, Rahab lived a filthy life. She was a prostitute. But God chose to use Rahab. God chose to use Rahab, and because of Rahab's obedience, she welcomed the spies, and she wasn't assassinated like the other disobedient ones. Why? Because she made herself available. So who, who are you and I that we would question who God can and cannot use? Who are we that we would say, God can't use her because she's dirty? God can't use him because he's a drunk. God can't use her because she's an adulterer. God can't use him because he's a liar. God can't use, and God can't use, and God can't use. Watch what we and who we put our mouths on. Because at the end of the day, we are all children of the living God. At the end of the day, we are all part of the human race. At the end of the day, just like God saved you, God can save Rahab. God can do a mighty work. So in these two lessons, we find out through Rahab's experience, first, that God can use anyone. Rahab teaches us that God can use anyone, even a prostitute, to accomplish his will. Amen? This should teach us that we should never rule anyone out and say, oh, God is working in this person's life, look at what they do. Look at who they are. God can use anyone. We look at, at Moses. Moses stuttered. David was small of stature and, and his armor didn't fit him. John Mark, he was, he was rejected by Paul. Jacob was a liar. How many liars do we have in here? How many liars do we have in Uh-oh. I appreciate your honesty. Appreciate your honesty. Babe, where's your purse? <laughs> David had an, had an affair. Well, David had married a woman that had an affair. Uh, Solomon was too rich. Abraham was too old. Peter was, uh, was afraid to die. Um, and, and, and what Peter did was he denied Christ. Uh, John was self-righteous. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Gideon and Thomas, they doubted God. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jeremiah was depressed and he was suicidal. Amen. Samson had long hair. Amen. Noah got drunk and that's not all. Amen. Did I mention that Moses was, he had a short fuse. He, he was quick to, to get angry. But praise God that he does not look at what is wrong with you. He looks at the good that is inside of you. Thank God that when we mess up, he does not get upset, nor does he push us away. But he tells us that in our weakness, that is when he can get the glory. In your weakness, he is strong. 
God is not looking at your abilities. All he wants is your availability. Can I have a moment of your time and tell you God has been using me? I grew up in the church all my life. I was born and slept. Well, I wasn't born under the pews. <laughs> I slept under the pews. Let's get that right. Slept under the pews. I danced in the spirit. I jumped around. I, I was at every service that we could have. If I was going to hell, it's because I wanted to. We were in service 365 days a year, it seemed like. But what I was holding on to, I was holding on to the faith of my parents. Then I found out that my parents' faith wasn't enough to get me into heaven. I got married. I went to school. I got married, had two beautiful kids. And I thought that in order for me to have a testimony, I had to go out and find one. So that's exactly what I did. I've been in the church as a minister for the past 10 years, but I lived a life that I shouldn't have lived. I'm talking to those that are in the church that are undercover. I'm talking to those that are in the church that perhaps you are living a life one way in church and living a life another way at home. Saints of God, I went to the extreme that I almost lost my wife. Went to the extreme that I almost lost my kids and just thinking about my kids being fathered by someone else tore me up but that didn't make up my mind to be saved I still played church for as long as I could one night I was asleep I'm gonna try to hold my composure one night I was asleep and and I had this dream that I had physically assaulted my wife now y'all have cameras on so I'm going to say this again. It was a dream that I had physically assaulted my wife. Do not let my wife get a hold of the copy of this film. Praise God. And so, sorry, I got something in my eye. So I had a dream that I had physically assaulted my wife. And the dream was so real that I woke up crying. And afraid that I had really done this. And so I woke up and I looked to my wife and I noticed that no harm was done to her. But then I began to ponder, crying and asking God why. And he told me, he says, you may have not assaulted her physically but you're assaulting her spirit. You may not be assaulting her physically, but you're hurting her emotionally. You may not be assaulting her physically, but you're tearing you, her and your family into pieces. Perhaps what we do may not have immediate results, but over time will affect us eventually. Over time, it will ruin us. Over time, it will destroy us. Amen. Have you ever heard that scripture that our grandparents used to always say, whatever happens in the dark will come to light. And so at that moment, I realized that I had to have an encounter with God. I had to be truly saved. 
I had to really seek God for myself. Because like I said, it wasn't my mom's faith, it isn't my dad's faith, it wasn't my wife's faith that would secure me a seat in heaven. I had to accept God for myself. And saints of God, when I tell you that I accepted God for myself, I tell you there has not been a time that I have looked back. My, my desires and, and my addictions have gone. My, my uh, worldly pleasures have left. And if you ask me, has God ever abandoned me? I will tell you this, that when I finally decided to stop playing games with God, even though I was so unfaithful to God, he was faithful to me. When I decided to stop playing games with God, he had an encounter with me and he gave me a new future. He gave me a new life. He gave me something that I could not give myself. He gave me something that my wife couldn't give me. He gave me something that my parents couldn't give me. He gave me a brand new life. In the book of John chapter, five, chapter 3, it says that unless you are born again, you will not be able to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'm here to tell you that if God can use them and God can change me, God can change you. Only if if you're willing to be saved by the true word of God. You have to have an encounter with God. God is not looking at your ability. He's looking at your availability. You might ask, how can I become ready to fight this war? Well, here are three important keys that you must know. If you're taking notes, write them down. Ephesians chapter 6, 17, it says that you must take the helmet of salvation. So number one, that tells me what? We have to be saved. Saints of God, and we can't be saved on Sunday and hypocrites on Monday. This has to be a life-changing kind of salvation. Amen? We have to truly be saved. Like I said, John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5 says, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Salvation will purify the soul and keep it from being defiled by Satan. That's the power of salvation. I want to ask you today, what do we lose? Pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. What do we lose if we serve God all the way to the end? And, and at the end, when they close our casket, we find out that there's nothing at the other side. What do we lose? But let me ask you the same thing. What if we live this life the way that we want to live this life, and we miss it? And at the end, when they close the casket, we find out that there is a God, that God is real. I'm here to tell you today, my brother and sister, there's nothing in the world. There's nothing in the world but disaster. There's nothing that the world can give you that will last as long as what God can give you. Amen. I'm here to tell you today that salvation will fix your problem. Salvation will purify your soul. Salvation will help you get through your daily life. Salvation. Salvation. We have to and we must truly be saved. I don't know right now what decision you were thinking about going, but I can tell you this. 
that never has my God forsaken me. Never have I had to beg for anything. God, since I have been faithful to him, God has been faithful to me. And if you were to ask me, like I was saying, if you were to ask me during my hard times, if God, if serving the Lord is worth it, I will tell you that the moment that I decided to stop playing games with him, God has turned my life around. He's given me a brand new future. He's given me a new perspective of life. My wife and I, we have a new relationship. My kids and I, we have a new relationship. My pastor and I, we have a new relationship. The church and I, we have a new relationship. Because of salvation. Two, write this down. We must read our word. We must read our word now more than ever. Perhaps you think that I was going to give you something that you have not heard, but in fact I'm giving you something that perhaps you are not using. You're looking for the best and biggest new invention or new idea, but you have it. You have it. If you would just get down on your knees, the Bible says that if my people would come to me, he says that if you would seek first the kingdom of God, praying. Seeking God's face. Paul says that reading the word is a weapon that is recommended. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it subsues and it mortifies evil desires and blasphemous thoughts that arise from within. Listen to this. A single text, well understood and rightly applied at once will destroy all temptations or an objection and subsumes the most formidable adversary by reading the word of God. I remember here a story of a young man whose house was on fire and he had nowhere to go but to his basement. And when he got down to his basement, the only thing that he seen to be able to help him get out was a window. And so he quickly kind of observed his surroundings to see what he could use to help him get out. And all he could find was a chair and some old books. So what he did was he took the chair and he put it by the window. He took the books and he set them on top of the chair. But he saw that it was not high enough for him to get out. So finally he started thinking. And he remembered his mother telling him. He told him that as long as you have your word, as long as you have your word, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So quickly he runs back inside and he grabs the family Bible. You know those big Bibles, amen? The big family Bible. And he put it on top of all the other books that he had on top of the chair. And what do you know? It was high enough for him to get out. When we have our word with us and we use the word of God, it acts as a double-edged sword. It's a weapon that will defeat the enemy ten times out of ten. Saints of God, we must use the word of God. We must use the word of God. I don't know about you, but every time that I am in my word, I remember, amen? I remember uh, the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 40 and 31. And it says that those that wait upon the Lord will renew, have renewed strength. That they will have wings as eagles. They will walk and not faint. When we read our word, we get power. We get encouraged when we read our word. And then number three, 
prayer. We must spend time with God. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So our hearts must be pure. Now, what is it talking about when as he thinketh in his heart, so is he? It's talking about our mind because we're, we're battling this spiritual warfare in our mind. It says that a vain heart will be vain and coarse. It says that an idle mind is a devil's workshop. Amen. Did you know this? That back when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they needed nothing. Did you know that? The very beginning, before sin, they needed nothing. And the only reason that they prayed to God was to have communication with God. But you and I in our generation, in our today's time, the only reason we talk to God is when we need something. And perhaps that may be the reason that we do not have that great of a relationship with God. Why don't we try getting a connection with God? Why don't we try talking with God? Why don't we try to spend five minutes, ten minutes, and start growing 20 minutes, 30 minutes of our day just to talk with God? We think that God is just a genie that we can rub the lamp and that he has to grant us three wishes. God doesn't work like that. I'm here to tell you this. I tell my church this all the time. Either you make him Lord overall or he's not Lord at all. He's not a part-time God. He's not a God that just when you need him, he shows up. He wants to know that you are faithful in the bad times as well as in the good times. He wants to know that you love him. He wants to know that you desire to connect with him. He wants to know that you want to have a relationship with him. It says here in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How can we be ready to fight if we are never in communication with God. How can we be ready to fight if we are not talking to the chief commander? How can we be ready to fight this warfare if we are never communicating to God? How can we be ready to fight if we are never in our word? I remember this old lady that she went to her pastor and she said, Pastor, can you help me? He said, what's wrong? She says, I need you to pray for me. Well, what are we praying for? She says, I haven't been able to find my glasses. It's been weeks. I haven't been able to find my glasses. I don't know where they are, Pastor. Can you please help me find my, help me pray that God helps me find my glasses? The next week, she had her glasses on. And she could see. And because she could see, she was smiling. She had the most beautiful smile on her face. Pastor, thank you. Pastor, thank you so much. I found my glasses. I found them. I found him. Sister, where did you find them? She says, you'll never guess. They were in my Bible. <laughs> a lot of us, the Bible has become a paperweight. We just throw it on our dresser. Or we throw it at the coffee table. So that way when pastor comes over for coffee, we act like we've been in our word.
And y'all have Pastor Isaac. And I know that he knows that you haven't been in your word. And we think that we are getting by. We think that we are, um, that, that we're, we're, what is the word I'm looking for? Kind of, uh, oh man, it slipped my mind. Think that we are pulling a fast one, for lack of better words. But we don't understand that God sees everything. <laughs> we, we think that God just looks the other way. Oh, he didn't want to read his Bible. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He doesn't want to be saved. It's okay. It's okay. He doesn't want to talk to me. It's okay. It's okay. But the moment that we need something from God, the moment that we need something from God, automatically he's got our attention. Automatically, without hesitation, we, are, we started a 21-day fast. You've never fasted in your life. But because you need something from God, I'm going to start a 21-day fast. And you can't get it. You can't get through noon. But I was so hungry. I was trying. To, but the devil. And the devil, he's like saying, wait a minute. I was trying to get past Isaac late to church because he's always on time. I wasn't at your house. And, and we try to give the devil something, uh, credit for something that he didn't do. And... But the reason is that we're just hungry. The reason is that we haven't set time aside to communicate with God. We haven't set time aside to build a relationship with God. We haven't set time aside to truly be saved. Saints of God, it's a spiritual warfare that's going on. And the only way that we can be ready to fight this spiritual warfare is if we are in sync and in line with those three keys that I told you. That we must be saved. We must be in our word and we must be communicating to God. It's the only way. It's the only way that we could get through this in life. Otherwise, you're like a ship without a sail. Amen? With no direction. You're lost. You're lost. You have nowhere to go. You're just wondering. Amen? But in order for us to be ready, we have to be saved. We have to be in our word. We have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps somebody here today may be saying, you know what? You have actually pinpointed exactly who I am. You've pinpointed, you've described what I'm going through. Your testimony is exactly the life that I've been living. And perhaps you said that I have been saved, but for some reason I've kind of went along the wayside. Or perhaps you might say that I've never been saved. Or you might say that I haven't had a relationship with Jesus Christ. You might say that I haven't been reading my word. You might say that I haven't been praying. And if any one of those points hits you today, I want everybody to stand. Would you, would you all stand? And if any one of those points hits you this morning, I want you to be sincere. Amen? Because at the end of the day, this is your life. At the end of the day, this is your decision. Choose this day who you